Great, thank you, Rose. Thank you, LL, Don, Zoe, for coming here. It's it's just an honor to be up here with you all. And the the stats that Rose just gave to you start to reflect what the problem is. Is the stories that are told are not accurate, they're not authentic, they're not representative. The money that is spent on black-owned media, for example, black-owned media companies, less than one percent of TV and digital media is among black-owned. Less than five percent of radio inventory is among black-owned. You add on black-targeted, you'll add a few percentages, well below fourteen percent, which is what the population is. And one of the reasons why is because there's also not enough black creators in the ecosystem. So if we went to just that stat, fewer than six percent of U.S. movies films are produced by, directed by, by black directors. So that system, that system isn't broken. That system was built that way. And the only way to fix that system is to change the system by rebuilding the new system. And that's what we're about on the screen. What the screen is is to address those systemic inequities by building the system that is a content creation, talent development, and then investment in diverse media. So it's focusing on stories, storytellers, and spending. And so what we have done over the past four years, actually, 18 months ago we started widening the screen, and four years ago here we launched our signature effort called the Queen Collective, which is a partnership with Queen Latifah, Flavor Unit Productions, and Tribeca. Now there's eight films. Last year we added on 846 films, which is which Zoe created Cupid's, which love. What's beautiful about these films, 846 is a poignant number because it was the time it took to, uh, to take a black man's life. But we filled these films with the full joy, beauty, and vastness of black life. Because there's so much more to see. That's what we mean by white the screen. It's not just the narrow view of black life, it's the full joy, beauty, and vastness of black life. And when you create those stories, then that creates a lot of opportunity. We also have invested in a partnership development fund. We're now investing in developing new content with Central City Productions, Stellar TV, Group Black, Travis Montague is here, Allen Media Group, BET Home, Rock the Bells, so we can develop and work together to create this content with black storytellers to then enable us to have this programming so we can have black media companies, black-owned media companies, have the programming, the audiences, and the inventory. And that raises economic inclusion. So it's a systemic effort on the stories, storytellers, and the spending, so we can build a new system, widen our screen, widen our view, so we widen opportunities. And it's good for business, and it's good for society. Thank you so much, Mark. Just to- I agree. So my next question is for LL Cool J, and what I would say is, um, you know, you know firsthand that it's so important to have the representation, not only in front of the camera, but behind the camera, the producers, the writers, the showrunners, the content, the marketing, etc. So tell us with Rock the Bells, uh, how you are bringing hip-hop culture to full screen, tells our story in a multi-dimensional perspective, but also providing economic opportunity within the community. Well, so there's, a, there's a few things. First of all, thank you. I want to say hello to all the panelists, you know, and everybody that's here. Just, uh, I think um, 
you know, in terms of Rock the Bells, you know, what I looked at, what I saw, when I, when I took over um, uh, our channel, Sirius XM, uh, about four years ago, um, at that time the channel was backspin and it was about a million listeners daily. Now we got it and over seven million listeners daily. Um, uh, it took me five years to get that channel. Um, you know, and, and Scott Greasy did a great thing by embracing me and finally giving me that channel and giving us that shot. So I want to shout him out, um, send him love. I think when I look at the way hip hop culture is treated for me, I felt like when I look at Bob Dylan, when I look at the way Paul McCartney is treated, when I look at the way Mick Jagger is treated, whom all of them are great artists whom I respect, um, I, I, I appreciate the way they're treated, but when I look at the way I see a, a Rakim treated or a Chuck D treated or a Big Daddy Kane treated, I felt like, why can't I, the, the artists that are from our culture, from hip hop culture, be treated in that same regard? It's, you know, it, it's not only about selling out Giant Stadium all the time. These are great artists in their own right, and they should be treated as such. So I started Rock the Bells because I felt like I wanted to elevate hip hop culture. What Rock the Bells is not about is LL Cool J. That's what it's not about. Even though it was my song and all of that, that that's not what it's about. What it is about is elevating our culture and, and, and doing it through content, um, doing it through experience, experiences, and doing it through commerce. So how did I do? The first thing I did, I said, you know what? I want to make sure, you know, one of the things that we always see when we, when, we, when we get into these rooms is a lot of times you have these companies, they take the community, turn it upside down, shake the change out of their pockets. So the first thing I wanted to do is make sure that we took a piece of the cap table and, and, and gave equity to some of the people who actually started this culture. So DJ Cool Herc, who actually started hip hop, right? He actually started it. He has a piece of the company. And Run DMC, who took hip hop to a whole nother level and, and pushed them to have a piece of the company. Not that they're not doing well, but they, they deserve it. Salt and Pepper has a piece of the company, right? Roxanne Shantae has a piece of the company. Um, uh, uh, you know, Fab Five Freddy has a piece of the company, right? You know, Eminem invested in the company, right? Like, those are the things that I think are important. You know, I feel like I want to see my people treated the right way. And, and, we, and through Rock Bells, we're able to do that. And we partnered with PNG. I think we're going on maybe eight or nine deals now, maybe 10 deals. They sponsored our festival. Our festival's August 6th. So when Mark talks about, you know, you know, we, we were just talking backstage about people that they talk about bats, but they never really hit. They never really go up to the plate and hit. Well, they actually stepped up. They actually sponsored our festival. So it's not just lip service, right? Like it's really happening, and we're really doing these deals. So. That's what Rock the Bells is about. Obviously, it's more to the company, but that's what that's what they're thinking. Thank you so much for that, and congratulations. Um, I, I want the panel just to, to thank you, and uh, the time we have remaining is, you know, recommendations for the industry. And so, um, Don Jackson, I'm gonna go with you. You are a trailblazer in the business. Uh, You've had Central City Productions for over 40 years. Uh, one of your most popular productions being uh, the Stellar Awards. It's been broadcasted for over 30 years, 37 years, which is incredible. So we got a round of applause. Um, so um, we know over that time, you have had to, um, as you growing, you've had to innovate. So tell us how you did that in the past and how you're doing that right now. Okay, thanks, Rose. 
Um, yeah, we go back now 52 years since I started the company. And uh, back then, the first show we did was a parade. A Bud Millican back to school parade. And um, I didn't know what we were doing, but uh, I knew that showing our people um, in the black community, enjoying a parade before they go back to school, encouraging them to go back to school, I said, this needs to be on television. The intent was not for me to do it, but to uh, have a television station there, uh, WGN, who uh, had, at that time, Tribune Broadcasting, for them to do it. So I called after I was in the parade. Uh, the parade was on Saturday. I called on Monday and said, why aren't you guys putting this parade on television? It's bigger than any other parade. It's the only black parade. And uh, they said, well, we know about the parade, but it's the only parade that's in the black community. So we don't have it. Now, this was some 45 years ago. We don't have a diverse staff, don't know what would happen. All kinds of excuses for not putting it on. So, you know, I'm pretty aggressive, former ball player. You know that? Basketball. <laughs> and I, said, I stood up to the gym and I said, well, what if I do it? What if we do it all? You have no risk whatsoever. And he stood up and said, you got a deal. Now, I didn't know what to do, but pretty soon I learned about all of what, not just advertising, but distribution as well. You have to have a distribution partner to make all of this work. The long run is that it's still airing today. It is the, soon as we did it, it was the number one rated program on WGN, not just for ratings. And, and uh, calls came over, all over from, because it was the superstation, about where has this parade been? Why haven't we seen these images of black folks celebrating? No violence. That convinced me that uh, more programming opportunities exist. When we just open our eyes and look around at our community, there's, you don't see much of that on television. Like uh, I said about hip hop, by the way we're thinking about a hip hop week, a show that I'm talking about. But those are the opportunities. Uh, what I would say is that we have to look at not just the idea, but the total mix, understanding distribution, uh, where is it going to air, understanding if you're going to own it or not, uh, and, which is very, very key. Uh, <laughs> kind of important. Well, you know, much of the time we, we like the idea of getting support. So. We, we don't look at some of those ideas. Maybe you do at the time, but that was uh, paramount for us to own all of our shows that we produce. And then you have to have some knowledge of how do you sell it? Who do you sell it to? Uh, so you've got to, in short, uh, not just get caught up in creativity, all of the great things Zoe does, and but understanding all of those other elements that will make and sustain you beyond. So, you know, it started with the Bud Billigan Day Parade. Uh, I, we then went on Soul Train. Uh, my buddy Don Cornelius, we partnered on that. Although we had Soul Train as a weekly, and we launched Soul Train Music Awards, we could not get that on the network, on the cable network. Uh, or if you can imagine uh, what it did, it was the first 
black music show on television, uh, Soul Train Music Awards, uh, was the first black music awards on television. But here, the, uh, the distributors and the cable operators didn't think enough that uh, Don Thermius and I could launch, and this was like 35 years ago. So right now, the, with social justice coming into play, and with corporations stepping up to the plate, the first was PNG. Uh, it was a groundbreaker. I, now, I, I'm senior here. I've never seen anything like it, how receptive it was for someone to stand up, take the lead, all of a sudden, these other advertisers are calling us, saying, uh, how can we be a part of your network? We understand what PNG has done. And uh, you have to have that groundbreaking incident. And, and, it, it, and Mark is real. Uh, for uh, and he's called upon a lot. He's going to be at, our, at, at the announcement of our Stellar TV network in four weeks, uh, which we're really proud of. Uh, but that is what signals it sends to the to, to the industry. It has to come from the brand. Now, then the agency gets it. See, Mark and PNG and others, they know why they should do it. Now it comes down to how you do it. How do you work with us? And it's not, and, and so it's not to pass along, we talked about this earlier, pass it along to your agency to make those decisions because they want to measure us like they measure total media when they're buying us for target media, reaching that audience. So uh, it's really an opportunity for us to, you know, we will, for us to launch this network, which will be the only fourth black owned network out there. So, you know, I want to encourage all of those ideas you have. Uh, the time is right now uh, for you know, let these creative ideas like you have, uh, they will be supported uh, with companies taking a lead like P&G because, uh, and then a spokesperson, not just someone who uh, talks about it, but someone who shows up and hits all the right out of the Facts. <laughs> facts. <laughs> so, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity now, and that's why we are going from broadcast syndication to our own network with the support we have right now. Thank you so much. Congratulations on the Stellar Network. You heard it here first. So, um, Zoe, again, great to see you, and congratulations on your success. And, and I really feel like you're a voice of a generation because you are so incredibly talented and your films are just so vivid and real and just brings so much joy. Uh, so you're a storyteller, you know the importance of providing authentic and, and representative stories. And so I want to ask you from your perspective, um, what's needed within the industry to harness the power of black storytellers, to fuel representation, and to give a platform to black culture and creation? Wow. <laughs> um, so I got my start in the theater because when I tried to come out and look at how I would self-produce a film, it was just too big. Like I didn't have the networks, the whole the whole ethos of like go to your networks and ask people. And I didn't come from a network that has resources, and so like people, I got so many people to donate to produce my play. 
uh, $5, and that was a lot to them, and $10, and that was a lot, and it meant so much to me, because I knew it was a lot, like it's a meal, where I, where I was from. So I only got about $3,000 total in my crowdsourcing, so I was like, all right, I'm gonna do a play. So I did a play, um, the play did very well, it ended up off Broadway, and I got a bunch of commissions, and it ran internationally, and I got a bunch of commissions as a playwright, and uh, a director in theater, and so I just started cultivating that space. And then once technology became a little more accessible, I was able to go back into like making short films that were kind of be my calling card. But I had to again get the funded, so it was like sourcing weird ways, like linking up with universities and writing and directing for their students. But it all kind of gave me a nice, beautiful platform to fail and learn. Because um, I think as a director, that's also what you need as an artist, is to be able to fail and not have it cost you so much. Um, and then I got to a place where I was hired to write for an HBO show, um, and then suddenly I was thrust into a larger pool. And I, from the inside, I think what's tricky is when they hire you as a black writer, and then I also also direct, sorry, for television as well, so I'm a writer-director for television and theater. Um, but when they hire you from the inside, they kind of like, they think they know what black, right, like black story is. So they're like kind of hiring you to execute and what you kind of have to do is sit there and be like, well, I'm a very new, like there's such nuance to black life in America. Like my story alone is like, I, come, I was born on the Menominee Nation. I lived in Ghana, West Africa, South Africa, London, and back to New York. So like my story is a different black story. It's a nuanced black story. And it's like, you kind of have to get in touch with like your heartbeat a little bit and be like, why would this person do this? And, and really give them the love and intention and the human heartbeat of those people, the people you know, you know, that are black, but just like are human, you know? And then you have to fight for them to be human. That's what I find is because they're gonna give you the notes. Like, but wait, this doesn't sound like that in the street. I was thinking of this is an urban, and you're like, yeah, but that, this is urban. I've, I've lived in Venice, I live there now. Like, this is what it is. You know, like, this is just a human being trying their best to succeed and they're gonna fail and they're gonna succeed again and they're gonna fail and that's all it is, right? We just, it comes with a certain skin color, but ultimately it comes with a certain life experience, fine. But like that's the core and you just have to fight for that core. That's what I find. Um, and maybe I'll get to a place where they'll trust me a little more and I won't have to be like, no, 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 we're not gonna raise this nuanced piece. I'll, I'll get rid of all these other things like, this is what makes this person nuanced, right? And then hopefully you're able to get less, once the actors step in and they're able to bring their artistry to it, you're able to get just a much more nuanced version of a character than we have been able to tell previously. And I don't think that the writers haven't wanted to tell it. It's that it can definitely get like, you know, some heavy notes, especially television, <laughs> kind of like slated away. So I think that's one step. And then the other is just, be brave and, and tell your story and get in touch with the, your nerdy passions. Like, I like fantasy and I like comedy and there's not a lot of black storytellers, female storytellers in that space. And so just giving myself permission to be like, I'm gonna pitch this nerdy science fiction thing and I'm not, no one's gonna tell me that I can't, you know? <laughs> and I think it's brilliant. <laughs> um, and then ultimately it just is again like Mark is doing opening doors 
like when I joined the DGA, I was, everyone was so excited and they released all these, they released your photo and I got all these calls and emails from people. But the thing I found very shocking is that I was not even a point percent of women, black women in the DGA, like it's not even one. It's like a point something percent. And I think they thought, well here, we're opening the door to you. But I found that incredibly just embarrassing. It's 2022. <laughs> we shouldn't be a point percent or a point percent of America. Like, come on now. Yeah. And like, so there's just so much more room. And P&G giving opportunities, like when they reached out to me, it was just like, here, we're going to give you money. You're going to to write and direct. And it, it's kind of unrestricted. Like, there's not a lot of notes that are like, here, you must put toothpaste in your There's nothing. It's just like, <laughs> are we going to have to put some toothpaste? I use it. I don't know how to do it. There's one scene where they brush your teeth. They're like, <laughs> no, it was nothing. It was just like, we're going to support you. And we think what you do is amazing. And here, go and explore eight minutes and 46 seconds. Um, it was. It, eight minutes and 46 seconds is the time it took for George Floyd's life to change the world. And for uh, for you guys to approach like me and the three other filmmakers, it was something that I hadn't even been able to process, like how I would tell that. It's like I put it into this close the door until you can process it place. Um, but it gave me permission to process it in the way I would with my voice, which is again, whimsy, fantasy, <laughs> weird <laughs> comedy. You know, and so it, it's just, I found that, yeah, like you guys said, like putting money where your mouth is, yeah. it's rare. So, Zoe, let, we literally have three minutes left. I can't believe this time has gone by so quickly. So, Mark, you've been in the business for a long time. You are, again, the platinum standard. So, tell us what you'd like to see, you know, happen within the industry and, and uh, also, what's next uh, for widening the screen? And uh, also, as uh, Zoe mentioned, the Queen Collective, which is also uh, really important. And hopefully, we'll have a few minutes to to get some uh, very short closing remarks from our Got it. Well, the Platinum Standard is sitting up here. And and what we're doing is, and we want to do, as PNG, but we want the whole industry to do is to open the door and widen the opportunities for the, these platinum standard creators and media companies here. That's what it's about. What, what we want to do, we'll do our part. We'll, we'll continue to invest, we'll continue to create film opportunities, to continue to work with the LLs of the, of the, of the world, and Don's of the world, and Zoe's of the world, Trebex of the world, and Flavor Unit, and Queen, and, and, and Group Black, and all of we'll, we'll do that, but we're one company. We want all companies to do this. And there's a reason for that. Because if all companies invest, then the whole market gets bigger. The whole market gets bigger. Not about ceiling market share. Market share, ceiling market share is the dumbest way to grow. The best way to grow is to grow the market. When you grow the market, then everybody benefits. It creates economic inclusion. It creates more creative opportunities. So we're going to launch our next six Queen Collective films uh, over the course of the next 12 months. Um, we're going to get the Stellar Awards, we're going to have the Stellar TV launch, we're going to do be at the, at the festival, we're going to keep working. I've just talked to Zoe, so I need some, some ideas here, so let's come on over here and bring those, bring those on here. But, but in any case, that's what, that's what we're going to do. We want everybody else to do it. And if the whole industry does it, 
then the whole market will grow, there will be economic inclusion, there will be far greater creativity, and lots of opportunities for a lot of people. So I think we have a little clip, right, Mark, from, I believe, either the Queen collection, uh, Collective or the Widen Street. Do we have that clip? The Queen Collective. Thank you. We had to start with just one specific thing. Allow a woman of color to tell her story from idea to distribution. And it will go from there. What PEG is doing is making commitment to equal representation throughout the entire creative and media supply chain. Queen Collective was built to create this pipeline of black creators. You're seeing the rainbow of the black community. You're seeing the range of our experience and who we are. We thought, why not allow black women to make films, to give them the support they need to make those films and produce them, let them tell the stories that they want to tell. Home Black is about black birth workers in the American South. For centuries, has been a community of black women keeping other black women alive. My film is a documentary about a group of girls going through a historically black summer camp. La Morena was inspired by my cultural upbringing. I'm half Puerto Rican and half black West Indian. Teen Dream is about never being too old to dream. It's about two women competing at the national senior games in the swim competition. Gap tells a story of a young girl who's in that kind of awkward adolescence phase. It's about loving yourself and finding beauty and the imperfect. My film features Daisha McBride, AKA the Rap Girl, who is a rap artist based in Nashville, Tennessee. What's exciting about being in the Queen Collective is I'm surrounded by beautiful, creative women and we get to go on this journey together. We're about to go really hard now. Oh. Fantastic. And now we're going over Mark Pritchard, Zoe Markinson, Don Jackson, and of course, LL Cool J. Thank you so much, Tribeca X. Thank you, PG, for this opportunity. And thank you, Lord, who has just promoted.